Tonight, a live edition of the Carolina Weather Group, an EF3 tornado in Nash County, North Carolina, catching many of us by surprise and impressing many of us in the power and devastation it has been able to produce the latest coming out of Central North Carolina as this live edition of the Carolina Weather Group begins. It's July 19th, 2023. Here is just some of the many videos posted to the internet today of an EF3 tornado in portions of North Carolina. Good evening to you. I'm James Briarton here in Charlotte, North Carolina. And joining me today, our live Carolina Weather Group panel, including Frank Strait in Columbia, Scotty Powell in Myrtle Beach, and WCNC Chief Meteorologist Brad Penovich, also joining me here in the Charlotte area. Uh, to catch everyone up to speed, speed it was a day where there was a threat of some storms but i think i can't speak for everyone but i did not wake up today expecting anything to happen here in the carolinas that to me speaks volumes and speaks of comparisons of things we might see in oklahoma or the central plains simply looking at some of the social videos posted tonight you can see what has been confirmed as at least an ef3 tornado with winds of 150 miles an hour the national weather service in raleigh just minutes before we began this broadcast confirming to us that they are still on the ground there in nash county conducting the storm surveys some of these videos showing the impact Interstate 95, all in that Rocky Mount area. Brad, let me start with you. I know you've had a chance to look at where this cell got its genesis today. And although it will be forever known for what it did east of Raleigh, <laughs> much of us here in the Carolinas interacted with this cell long before it became a supercell. Yeah, what's really interesting is, you know, yesterday an MCV formed out of Tennessee from a big cluster of storms over there. And what an MCV is, it's a mesoscale convective vortex, it's essentially a low pressure system formed by thunderstorms. And that MCV actually produced a little string of storms and, and kind of supercell structure in western North Carolina. And in the wee hours of the morning, moved over the central Piedmont area, it actually moved through Charlotte around 530 in the morning. And as it moved east towards the coast, obviously heating of the day started developing and it started tapping into some warm, humid air. And it looks like it kind of tapped into maybe some kind of boundary out there and spun up quickly. I mean, the overall parameters, you know, from a from a synoptic scale weren't really uh, off the charts and probably didn't it didn't seem like a big tornado day. But on the mesoscale, or I would even say the microscale, you had a lot of parameters come together. And I think sometimes these unique situations um, are a lot about what happens on a very small scale. It's about location, location, location. And in this case, you know, this isolated area had the perfect ingredients come together because um, that, that, that was an impressive tornado. I mean, I think when all of us saw the damage and then saw the first videos, I was like, that is a legit tornado because the violent rotation that you saw on some of that video um, was definitely something you would not normally see in what would normally be like an air mass or afternoon storm here in the Carolinas. Mm -hmm. um, July supercells are kind of rare <laughs> in the Carolinas. Most of our summer severe weather is downbursts, you know, and straight line winds because we get all that decape, that big, you know, thunderstorm fuel builds up and you just get, you know, those massive wet downbursts. This was kind of a unique setup for July, for sure. 
Yeah, matter of fact, I think you actually tweeted out uh, a picture a little earlier. I can go ahead and uh, put it up here on the screen when you talk about just how rare of an event this is. That's not just a term you are throwing out there. You've actually gone into the archive to take a look at just how rare this is, Brett. Yeah, so the Tornado Archive is a great, great resource. It goes back to the recorded record, which goes back to like 1950, but they actually look back at newspaper clippings and stuff before that to try to really archive every documented tornado. And what you're looking at is a map of all the July tornadoes in the state of North Carolina that were EF2 or stronger. There's only 13 of those in the record books. 12 of those were EF2s, only one other EF3. And that's the strongest on record in the month of July. So it just kind of shows you how rare it is to see a storm this strong in the month of July. And the, the only other EF3 was up there on the Virginia, North Carolina border. You also notice the tracks are really small. There's one big one there up there. It looks like towards south of Danville. Um, I'm kind of curious from the survey how long this track is going to end up being because right. not only is it rare to see an intensity this long, but it might be one of the longer track tornadoes in the month of July as well. Yeah, the National Weather Service, uh, the Raleigh office, very quick to get out this afternoon and begin their storm assessment. Matter of fact, we're not even convinced yet that it's just Nash County. We know that our lower third at the bottom screen says Nash County. A lot of headlines say Nash County, but there is also talk that this could have spilled over into some neighboring counties, depending on how long that track goes for. NBC affiliate WREL here just in the last minute updating their headline now to say a total of 16 people injured 89 structures damage those numbers likely to change as everyone from the national weather service to emergency officials continue to do storm assessments one of the buildings most impacted most damaged the building that is just easy to see in the headlines is a manufacturing facility that pfizer uses one of those big giant buildings uh that it essentially just fell in on itself and we were looking at aerial video today from wrel of um, heavy equipment trying to start the cleanup process of what will be a fairly long one. Uh, Frank Strait with us on our Carolina Weather Group panel. He's in Columbia tonight. Frank, I know we still have your screen share here. Uh, you were looking at uh, the the data on this storm, which again began at about 12.30 p.m. And, and continued for some time as a tornado-worn cell. What jumps out to you, Frank, as you're looking at the radar data? Uh, well, this uh, particular radar scan is from 1231. That's right about the time that the uh, tornado warning was issued. Uh, I'm going to turn the uh, warning polygons off here so that we can uh, get a better look at the radar data itself. I'll zoom in on here. Let's let's turn the uh, uh, the triangle uh, debris signature off as well. Uh, zooming in on this, it's small, but it's very textbook. That's a supercell tornado, a supercell thunderstorm structure there. Uh, looking at reflectivity, the top left, and uh, the the velocity couplet uh, shows up uh, very clearly as well, uh, right there where you have that uh, comma-shaped signature uh, of a hook echo there. Uh, looking at the correlation coefficient, you have low correlation coefficient in the same area that you have that uh, little comma head there in the hook. So uh, that's another indication that we have a tornado uh, likely going on uh, already as the uh, tornado warning was issued. Now, I'll, I'll back this up a little bit so that we can uh, go to see the the formation here. This was clearly a supercell when it was uh, backed by Spring Hope there at uh, just before noon. This is 11.57 here as it goes across Nashville. Uh, still likely not yet a tornado at that point. I don't see any uh, debris signature on correlation coefficient, but uh, somewhere between here 
at uh, 1220 and there at 1231 when the warning was issued. Uh, I think there might be a missing radar scan there. Not sure if the radar was down or if it's just uh, a missing file there uh, from the source I'm using. But uh, nonetheless, uh, that's when you start seeing the tornado there. So I'm going to put a little marker there. Uh, to uh, denote that spot and measure from there. And then we'll just advance forward uh, going you know, a few scans ahead. Uh, there's uh, 1245. We still have a low correlation coefficient here with the hook echoes still uh, present, very clear velocity couplet. So yeah, the tornado should still be going there and it's tracked, uh, uh, let's see, uh, uh, how far at this point? Uh, about seven miles. So uh, we'll advance, continue advancing it forward. And yes, the couplet's still there. As we approach one o'clock, uh, there's still some uh, lowered correlation coefficient here. So the tornado may still be going on. Uh, that's um, uh, about 12 nautical miles. So about 15 miles that has traveled at that point. And even a few scans further, it looks like it's uh, kind of going away, the, the debris signature at this point, but uh, maybe still a little bit of it there with it about uh, uh, 13 and a half nautical miles, a little over 15 or maybe 18 miles uh, of track there. So the uh, the, the uh, storm survey team for the National Weather Service has a lot of work to do, and that's why they're they're still uh, still at it and may still have to uh, do some more work in the morning because it looks like the tornado track is going to be at least about 15, at least 13, 14, uh, maybe 15 or so miles long. Uh, the governor of <laughs> North Carolina, Roy Cooper, uh, tweeting out today that he's spoken with the sheriffs of both Nash and Edcombe counties about the tornado damage suffered there. State personnel helping to get roads open and providing other assistance as needed. The governor tweeting today as he is at home recovering from coronavirus, uh, the COVID-19 infection. Uh, the videos that we saw today uh, really showed us, as the governor alluded to, that state officials had their hands full when it came to getting Interstate 95 reopened. You can see that in these videos here, and the Department of Transportation was able to get that interstate back reopened within hours of the, the storm. Uh, as the video plays on through, you can see this vehicle heavily damaged, its back window completely busted out, the trees snapped over, lots of debris on the road. I'm also waiting for this video to loop back around so you can actually see uh, the tornado itself on the ground. Here it is in one of those social videos. You can just see the size of this thing. In a moment, we'll see a power flash as it's interacting with power lines on the ground, even picking up storm debris and lofting it into the air. And Brad, I think that was one of the things uh, that you saw in some of the radar data today uh, in the correlation coefficient and in some of the storm debris that the radar was actually being able to detect some of these flying objects. Is that right? Yeah, when I first saw this, obviously the hook jumps off, but as a meteorologist, you know, we always want to look at other parameters. We look at like, as, as you heard Frank talk about the correlation coefficient, the velocity data, uh, we look at, uh, you know, those things. But one of the things that really struck to me was uh, a new product that we started looking at recently. And it's a product that if you have GR2 analysts, you probably have, have seen it before. Um, and that's a view, that's that lower right-hand corner. It's the probability of tornado debris signature. Um, and it goes from a percentage, basically from zero to a hundred and the white is 100. <laughs> and so what it's trying to do is take those other parameters of the co-location of the velocity couplet, the low CC values and the high reflectivity. And it's trying to tell you where the, the radar thinks there's definitely debris. And when I see white like that, and I circled it there in the lower right-hand corner, that was a clear indication that that was debris. And so I actually saw that on radar first, and then we got the law enforcement spotting of it, and it became a no-brainer. Um, what's really 
you know, crazy about this storm. And I mentioned it at the beginning was the fact that this had started way back in our area. Mm-hmm. And I actually was able to grab the, the radar loop from then. So for the folks that were in Western North Carolina this morning, um, this is a look at this starts at 339 in the morning. This is that MCV passing over the Western Carolinas. I'm going to loop this. And James, I don't know if you were up at this time or even heard this, but that's the supercell and the MCV associated going right over Charlotte at around 530 this morning. This actually produced some wind damage in Western North Carolina. And I did see a couple reports of some trees blown down in parts of Charlotte. But that that's a pretty nasty storm to think that cell is moving through the Piedmont at around four to five thirty in the morning. Just goes to show you how strong the localized dynamics were with the system before it moved into eastern North Carolina. I think we got lucky that there was only one tornado um, out of this because that's a that's a pretty impressive cell that moved all the way from Tennessee across the entire state of North Carolina. In just a moment, we'll bring in Scotty Powell to talk about whether we could see more tornadoes tomorrow. But to answer your question, Brad, I will admit I slept through this. <laughs> but but I think that's all the more reason to advocate for NOAA weather radios in the bedroom. I have one so yeah. that if this had become a severe storm over Charlotte, my weather radio would have woken me up so that my family and I could have taken precautions. So um, hopefully those weather radios played a crucial role f- to folks today. And it's just a reminder yet again that you need multiple ways to get warnings because sometimes things do come when you are least expecting them. Yeah. And I think it's it's good to point out, you know, while the tornado parameters are low um, today and even tomorrow, and Scotty's going to talk about that. Remember, all severe thunderstorms, by definition, can and do produce tornadoes with little or no warning. So the fact that you have any severe weather at all, the, the amount of dynamics there, I think you always got to be careful for these quick spin ups. Now, today was kind of a, a I would say an anomaly, but um, it's a good reminder that we should pay attention to every severe thunderstorm. Uh, just not the ones we think are always going to produce tornadoes. Yeah, absolutely. Let's bring in Scotty Powell. He's in Myrtle Beach right now. Scotty, I know you've been taking a look at the forecast for tomorrow, which I'll steal a little bit of your thunder in my toss to you. We are in a severe outlook for tomorrow. Walk us through this. Yeah, one thing I want to piggyback with what you just said, James, about the weather radio. Uh, I've seen a press release earlier this week from FEMA, or it may have been late last week, early this week, where they have signed a partnership with Sirius Satellite Radio. So if you are in that polygon, they can now push that uh, FEMA alert out for the tornado warning. So folks who are traveling Interstate 95 today, you know, big vacation time this time of the year. Uh, 95 is definitely one of the most populated roads uh, to take people to the beach, to Florida or whatever. Mm-hmm. So uh, another way, you know, it's that, that to get those alerts. So I, I thought that was uh, pretty timely. Yeah. I saw that article earlier. And then today, you, you, you know, hopefully some of those folks who were traveling on 95 were able to get that message and seek some kind of shelter. So that's very uh, cool. I didn't, I did not know that now I just need it on my streaming apps. I need the, yeah. the wireless <laughs> emergency alerts, the national weather service, all that's a coming. Oh, that's coming. <laughs> <laughs> the FCC wants those IPs, man. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. All right. Uh, what are we looking at for tomorrow, Scotty? Yeah. Well, tomorrow, obviously, uh, if you're living in the Carolinas, it's no secret. It's been hot. It's been humid. And uh, we've kind of been in this situation where Brad was showing you the radar loop yesterday. Uh, this system t- started in Tennessee, Kentucky, moved through the Western Carolinas. And that, again, it's the possibility to tomorrow. We could see some storms develop there. 
they'll move in from the northwest, um, kind of like you can see the radar loop here. And then as it really gets into the Carolinas, the perfect timing of the day that's going to kind of link up with the most warmest part of the day, the most instability. So with a lot of moisture around, I mean, you know how hot and humid it's been this week. Uh, we could see another threat of severe thunderstorms. And in fact, a majority of western North Carolina from the foothills through the Piedmont into eastern North Carolina under that slight risk and a lot of South Carolina as well in that slight risk, which is a level two. Uh, as Brad was saying, you know, we need to treat all these severe thunderstorm uh, warnings and severe storms the same because wind is when, you know, no matter if it's rotating like it was today or as Brad was alluding to, the downburst that we most commonly see in the Carolinas this time of the year, we have so much moisture in the air and it just comes crashing to the surface. And um, I feel like North Carolina, South Carolina is like one of those epicenters where we see a lot of downburst microbursts happen. And, uh, you know, that wind 70, 80 miles per hour can do damage as well. So uh, that is the biggest risk tomorrow. Looking at those um, those percentage numbers that the Storm Prediction Center uh, gives out, it looks like, you know, a 15% chance, uh, 15 to 30% chance of seeing those damage and winds uh, really from the Piedmont and um, southern foothills or southern sandhills of North Carolina into a majority of the upstate Midlands and even here along the Grand Strand of South Carolina tomorrow. Uh, the tornado threat is at 2%. I love how Brad does this. So Brad, I'm gonna, I, people get confused about, well, it's only a 2% chance, but you have a great explanation of that. So I'll let you go into that. But uh, we do have that low tornado risk and also the uh, possibility of seeing a few hell um, storms from these storms. Obviously, uh, the primary concern tomorrow would be those damage and winds. But, you know, a 2% tornado risk may sound low to you all who may not follow the weather. But honestly, Brad, that's that's kind of elevated for, for what's normal around here. Yeah, I always like to equate it. You know, people think of rain chances. Well, 2% is not that big a deal, right? Well, yeah, you got to remember a 2% chance of a tornado. That's two times above normal because normally on any given day, the chance is zero, right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> so that's a pretty significant increase from the, the baseline, which is close to zero. So, you know, 2% is, is really elevated when you consider the baseline is zero. And the difference between, you know, a 2% chance of rain and a 2% chance of a tornado is, you know, when it's rain, uh, the worst thing could happen is you're going to get wet. You're not going to have an umbrella. The worst thing is going to happen with the tornado is something bad's going to happen. So the outcome of that 2% is a much more dire situation than the rain chance. So you can't compare. It's not an apples to apples comparison because the outcome for one is a much more deadly outcome than just getting some rain on your head, run into your car without the umbrella. Yeah, and there's a big chunk of the Carolinas. James, I don't know if you can pop up the SPC, but there's a big chunk of the Carolinas who is involved in this. So, you know, it's from the mountains through the, the Piedmont into uh, the Midlands of South Carolina and Grand Strand. So it's, as you can see that slight risk there. And if we go to the tornado tab and the wind tab, you can really see a lot of the Carolinas under this threat tomorrow. So uh, be weather aware tomorrow, make sure that you have multiple ways as James was talking about to receive those alerts and warnings. You know, we all use social media, but with the craziness that's going on on social media right now, don't let that be your primary uh, factor or yeah. way to get uh, your your severe weather alerts. Because, um, you know, a lot of people are outdoors this time of the year doing a lot of things and maybe put the weather in the back of their mind and not paying attention to it. So tomorrow's one of those days you definitely want to stay weather aware, weather alert and just uh, be, keep your eyes on the sky. And, you know, uh, it's the potential of seeing a few spicy thunderstorms tomorrow that could create some damage yeah 
Very good point. I mean, it's uh, one of those days where I think at least we'll be able to see what's coming because of that track, as you mentioned, Scotty coming out of Tennessee and, and uh, you know, Kentucky, I think we'll have a really good idea on where the, the vectors are for where that cluster develops. I think the interesting thing to watch for overnight, and we saw some of this with this morning's band is, you know, do we see a big thunderstorm complex develop? Do we get another one of those MCVs? And I'll be honest with you, Northwest flow, which is kind of what this is, can always have a trick up its sleeve. Sometimes you get some crazy things happening in this Northwest flow this time of year. Um, so I'm always very cautious about, you know, hey, you might be a surprise or two thrown in with this kind of setup. Here's the look at this nine o'clock hour on this Wednesday at the latest high rapid refresh, the HER model, as we can look a little bit into what is possible tonight across Tennessee and into the Carolinas for tomorrow. Uh, Brad Panovich and the WCNC team will be keeping an eye on the sky from the mountains across the Piedmont and into portions of the Sand Hills, as we know many other folks across the region will be watching as well, too. Uh, one of the things I did want to emphasize real fast as we are continuing our conversation here on the Carolina Weather Group about that EF3 tornado that happened today in Nash County is the threat from that storm is over. It started at about 1230 and went for more than an hour or so, but there are no severe weather happening tonight on this Wednesday night in the Carolinas uh, that uh, would warrant our attention right now as the last of the storms are now heading out to sea. We've had some comments asking us right now about what's happening on the radar. So we do have a bit of a lull now in the Carolinas as we look now ahead to the forecast for tomorrow. Frank Strait is showing kind of the last of that energy uh, moving out now offshore of Moorhead City and out into the Atlantic. So if you're watching tonight from the Outer Banks or uh, from Wilmington, you might still have some passing heavy rain, as you can see, some of it still generating tonight, uh, using up some of that heat and moisture that uh, we have been talking about. Um, we will continue to keep you updated. We are waiting for the National Weather Service to finish their storm survey. I think it could certainly take them some time to make it those multiple miles uh, that Frank was talking earlier in the show. And we'll have to find out just how wide this thing was, too, at an EF3. Um, Brad, before we go, I'm going to put you on the spot on two other things that are on my weather brain in the past week or so. And that would be the extensive flooding we've seen across portions of the northeast and uh -huh. the air quality and the smoke we've seen down here in the southeast. Uh, those are certainly pressing weather headlines, uh, but I feel like they also relate to, to your recent appearance on WFAE radio here in the Charlotte area where the conversation came up, not only about the current weather, but the bigger climate picture. Yeah, I mean, the air quality issue has been an ongoing summer issue with the Canadian wildfires. And I think it's really important for folks in the Carolinas to know just because this first or now I would say the second wave of smoke has moved out doesn't mean we're done with the smoke because um, those wildfires aren't going out. Uh, those are huge. There's, uh, this is a record year for wildfires in Canada. We're talking million, hundreds of millions of acres uh, burning up there. I think the, the last was like the, the, the amount of acreage is like the size of the state of Kentucky or something. It's crazy. And those are in areas that are uninhabited where just not feasible to fight those fires or try to put them out. You know, the, the resources are being put towards protecting property and people as it should. And likely the only thing that's going to put those fires out is going to be winter. So as the pattern, the wind patterns change, the jet stream shifts, we're likely at some point this summer or into the fall to see more of those surges of wildfire smoke. So there's a really good chance that we're not done with this, um, this wildfire smoke issue. The other thing is the rainfall. I mean, even this morning, um, that cluster that came through Western Kentucky, 
Uh, they set a state rainfall record this morning in a, like six hours. Mayfield, which also got devastated by that EF5 tornado um, back in uh, 2021, actually had 11.49 inches of rain, I believe, which is a Kentucky state record um, this morning. So we've just seen these horrible you know, events, weather events this summer um, due to the amount of heat and the amount of moisture in the atmosphere. And it's really led to just some some really extreme weather. And I think it's all been highlighted in some of these mainline events. And, you know, my my attention is still on the I know Scotty's is it's still in the Atlantic. I mean, the water out there is just ridiculously warm. And at some point, that energy stored in the ocean has to be released. And we're likely going to see some kind of tropical system out of this this warm water. Eventually, the El Nino is helping us out in one factor that it's producing wind shear there's also sahara air layer out there which is helping us out but as soon as those shut off or even weaken slightly you're going to see um, a monster hurricane or two out there i believe it with the amount of deep warm water we have in the atlantic yeah, it's funny you say time, time to prepare go ahead scotty i was gonna say it's funny you say that brad because the beginning or late part of may into first part of june we we're all like where's summer at you know and our <laughs> water temperature here in myrtle beach was 72 73 74 degrees yeah it's 87 now. And that was Ooh. just four weeks ago. I mean, it has climbed quickly and uh, it's, it's a ticking time bomb. And yeah. uh, you know, it's, it's, um, it's, you were talking about El Nino and, and right now it's the battle of who, you know, El Nino is normally in our favor, but with these warm ocean temperatures, they kind of cancel each other out. So like you said, once we get a weakening or, or something like that, something could really uh, develop. And even looking at the, the water temperatures in the Gulf, I mean, some of those areas in the 90s. I mean, that's yeah. we were talking in the Weather Center this week, you know, an average hot tub is about 102. And you, <laughs> water, you know, your water temperature is 93, 94 degrees. That's that's a steam bath. You know, that's. Yeah. And that's horrible for the coral reefs down there yes. in Florida. I mean, that's anything above 90 starts bleaching. Uh, coral reefs and causes you know big kill off of coral so it's just and i think the scary thing scotty as you mentioned is like that warm water is deep and it's up against the coast so mm -hmm. you worry about like rapid intensification prior to landfall with storms when that water is so warm close to the coast yeah and it, you know the big story james we were talking about last week was the um the crystal clear waters here at myrtle beach and a lot of that is because it's we've had a very calm ocean out there you know there's nothing really to to upwell the cooler water to the surface you know yeah. it's been barely quiet and so that was a result of seeing those clear waters out there so um a lot of things going on and to speak on the smoke fact it was terrible today in, in myrtle beach we uh, uh played golf today and and myself and andrew dockery we were talking it's like we think this is the worst it's been this this yeah. summer you know down here and, and you can thank the storms track that brought those uh, storms in from Kentucky and Tennessee. That's the same direction our wind's coming in here. And it's not only bringing storms, it also bringing in the wildfire smoke from Canada. So that Northwest flow is doing a lot of stuff here for the Carolinas. Yeah, yeah we need we need to shift a little. <laughs> it was yeah. very hot. Yeah, the, smoke, the, the smoke, I would agree, Scotty. I think this last batch, especially yesterday morning, that was by far the worst it had been in Charlotte as well because mm -hmm. uh, we, we had code red conditions for about 12 hours straight and Making up to that, it, it was thick. It, it, even my kids were like, Dad, why is it so foggy out? Or why is it like that's not fog, that's smoke? And they were shocked, like, Yeah, that's from Canada. And I was trying to explain to them, Yeah, that's coming all the way from Canada. And uh, it was crazy. There's been times this week, in the past two days, our camera, you can't even see the piers from oh. our cams. You know, it's, it's that thick. So 
uh, Brad will tell you we have a new WCNC Skycam in Ballantyne, and on a clear day you can see Uptown Great. Uh, it was like I don't know where it went. It's just gone. Yeah. 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 And the smoke's been going all over the place, too. Like uh, when Don was just forming earlier, uh, about a week ago, I was looking at the satellite pictures out there and I'm like, what, what's all this haziness? Is that hair and dust over there? No, it wasn't. It was actually wildfire smoke from Canada going to the eastern Atlantic and even toward toward the UK. It's, it's just wild how it's covering so much space. <laughs> I know. And as soon as you think it's gone, it comes back again. Yeah. Well, the other controversial topic I had before we go tonight, and this is more of a public service announcement, but if you're trying to stay informed about storms as we head into Thursday in the Carolinas, rely on your local broadcast, rely on your NOAA weather radio, rely on trusted sources. But I got to tell you, don't rely on Twitter. Uh, So many of us here at the Carolina Weather Group, Brad Panovich's Twitter account, all were using this IEM bot technology. It was a great free service uh, that was provided to meteorologists. And as you can see here on the screen, the creator of the IEM bot, I think we feared this day it was was coming, finally tweeted this morning that he is no longer able to access the Twitter API. So even here at the Carolina Weather Group, as this EF3 tornado was happening today, our automated tornado warning push notification on Twitter did not go out because without warning that Twitter access was denied and turned off. So as you're looking for ways to get storm information, please remember to use multiple sources because I think the day we have feared has come and who knows, maybe it'll be back tomorrow. It's been been tough. I got rate limited today at 10 o'clock in the morning uh, for viewing tweets and I there's something going on. I don't even know. That's the, I think that's the, the million dollar question is like, what is the rate limit? Who's being impacted? What can, I mean, nobody seems to know. <laughs> and I, I want to like threads, but it's, it's not, it's not in chronological desktop version or some API to yeah. post stuff to that. We have no problem. API access there. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, yeah. So that will be of interest. And so I'm just throwing that out there as a public service announcement that if yeah. you're used to automated warnings showing up on places like Twitter, they may not. It's, it's unfortunate because, it, you know, for Twitter, we, while it wasn't, I don't say everybody was using it, it was feeding a lot of other resources like, you know, embedded tweets were very popular on sites where people didn't even have a Twitter account. So um, those tweets were really important. I think more important than people uh, thought, even though there was a smaller audience there on Twitter. But it is a sad day because that was an effective way to get severe weather information. It's out a great tool and it was available free. So. Uh, We'll look for some other ways to bring you these warnings on social media as best as we can. We'll be back next week with a new episode of the Carolina Weather Group. We will continue to keep an eye out from the National Weather Service in Raleigh as they continue their storm assessment. And we'll also keep those folks our thoughts and prayers as they will have quite a bit of cleanup to do here after this rare EF3 tornado in North Carolina today. Stay weather aware tomorrow as well. Yes. Uh, we'll see uh, Chief Meteorologist Brad Panovich and WCNC Charlotte again starting at 11 o'clock tonight or anytime at uh, WCNC.com. On behalf of the Carolina Weather Group, I'm James, uh, Frank, and Scotty. As Scotty said, stay safe out there. We'll see you again real soon. Good night.